kind of nervous. Why? I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not nervous for this one, no. No, no, because this is like, no one's going to see this. That's the point of it, right? Like, the point of it is that no one's going to see it. So That's true. Roll the music. So, Toy Story. I, I didn't really plan how to start this. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're the gaffer. You're in charge. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the... I might just riff a little bit. Hello everybody and welcome to the debut episode of There's a Pod in My Boot. Yay. I'm your host for this episode, Will. Hi. Hello. Um, my name is Aaron. Thank you. Hello, my name. <laughs> Three words and then the voice crack already. <laughs> you don't get a re- you don't get a redo. That's it. You don't get That's a redo. I'll one take the whole thing. Oh, one take. This is live, isn't it? Um mm, yeah. Hello, my name is James. Great. Let's get that clean one more time. Hello, my name is James. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just... so let me gargle some water. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do? A really good warm up is to hum. Go, mm. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the debut episode of There's a Pod in My Boot with me, your host for this week, Will. And my name is Aaron. <laughs> and James. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you boys. Um, a little bit of context for people, obviously, people who are listening to this, we are just three long time friends we used to have a radio show together back at university and we just thought with the second wave of lockdown hitting the united kingdom why not get together and talk about the thing that the three of us like the most is that an accurate statement yeah yeah i was I gonna say so. know the most about but i think yeah well it's a Fortnite podcast so we all you know we all play a lot of Fortnite, we all game a lot so it's, yeah i think i think it's a safe bet to say that that's it for all three of us exactly um so for this episode we're going to start with one of my favorite films from my childhood definitely not my favorite like the top favorite i thought we'd save that for a bit later down the line but toy story from 1995 straight away i just want to ask you boys starting with james what did you think about this throwback there was a lot of it i couldn't remember I think the fact that it was 25 years old is astonishing. I I never knew that it was that old going into it. I thought it was a you know like 99 2000 film. It's just a classic, isn't it? There's there's not much more you can say than classic. Hot take out of the four Toy Stories that have been released, not the first, it's not the second, probably the third best of all of them. Oh, I thought you just meant in terms of release, and I was about to say no, it is no. definitely <laughs> in terms of actually incorrect. Toy Story one is. Number one, the first. I mean, it is number one. I, I can't believe we're. I don't know. Are we jumping straight into ranking it? Because that, in its own right, is if we're ranking all the Toy Stories, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, we can cut that. We we'll leave out the fact that I said it's a classic. Yeah, and I will. And uh, Aaron, what did you think? Yeah, I I, I thought it was. I, I love it. And and as well, like 
25 years old is mad because I remember when I was younger, of course, we had it on VHS and I would watch it all the time. And it just felt like one of those films that came out when I was young because it felt so brand new. Like it felt so brand new, even though it had been out probably five years by the time I got around to watching it. Like it felt brand new. So it's amazing. But I was saying to you boys uh, last night that I, I wanted to watch it before I went to bed and ended up not getting into bed and starting it until about 11 o'clock. So I was like, okay, I'll watch I watch half of it now and then I'll finish it the next day because I'm going to fall asleep. Like I'm bound to fall asleep. I just, I, I couldn't, like, it's just so good. I couldn't stop watching it, man. I was, I was hooked. And it's contrary to you, James, there was bits which I had forgotten. But when I was watching it back again, I was like, nostalgia just kept hitting me and hitting me. I love it, man. It's an amazing film. I think it's beautiful. What was, I think what was the most nostalgia kick for you in that film, watching it back and going, oh, this is sort of throwing you back 15, 16, 17 years? Yeah, it was definitely Pizza Planet. Man, that place looks so cool. Like yeah. the restaurant. I, and I remember like watching it. I always used to think, I got to go to this place. I got to go there. And I think in Disneyland Paris, they've got like a, a close version of that. And I remember walking past it and it's sort of, in, if you know, I'm, my memory could be way off here. But I think it's right up like the top end of one of the parks and it's kind of tucked away and hidden. And we just like walked past it. And I remember looking at it being like, Mom, Pizza Planet. And she was just like, the hardest no ever. And we just beeline past it. So I got to like look outside of Pizza Planet, and, but I never got to see it. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to go to Pizza Planet, but I don't know whether it's real. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was kind of approaching, talking about this to you boys, definitely, definitely love it. Like I said, I kind of recommended this film for this first episode of the podcast. I think it's a great bit of animation, definitely still holds up today. And, and it obviously pioneered quite a lot of Pixar style um, and animation today, I guess, in general as well. When I started doing some research for this, I was trying to think about what can we say that has never been said before? And as I was reading more and more into it, it became very abundantly clear that that's just not possible. There's there's so much to cover on this kind of film. It's important, it's significant in the past, but I did just check down a little bit of like bullet points of, of how it came to be, just in case you guys didn't know. The film came out in 1995. It was directed by John Lasseter, who is probably most famously known as kind of the head of Pixar and what, uh, the director for quite a lot of their most popular films and most award-winning films. He started at Disney in 1979. And when he joined, he's quoted as saying, that 101 Dalmatians was where Disney had reached their highest plateau and everything after that just felt monotonous and repetitive controversial until 1982 so for the three years he kind of was working there he was feeling a bit bummed out and didn't feel like he was really making art that he he wanted to but when 1982 came around he was invited to work on tron and that was the first time that he could see cgi being used to add depth whereas previously they had just used the multiplane camera on the animation obviously we studied that quite extensively at university maybe maybe too much yeah. After seeing Tron and the CGI that they, they put into it, he went to go work for uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. That was in 1984, so two years after. And with them, he worked on a film called Young Sherlock Holmes, which if you guys remember from our final year of university, was the first film to feature a fully CGI character. Um, and that came out in 1985, so the next year. I obviously wasn't listening in that class. I don't know. That was my presentation. I don't oh, no. <laughs> oh, was it? Was it actually? Yeah. Was it? For ILM. You 
bastard. Oh shit. <laughs> no, no, no. No, because I was listening to yours. Yeah, of yeah, definitely. I was, but I don't. No, no, I was straight up because I was because you did it on Zoom. I did in the pandemic. I, I remember. And I had a yeah, clip from I your remember, show because you went you went straight after me. I don't remember the clip. That's not your fault. That's the film. I, I that's don't the film. It's it's a forgettable yeah. film. Sure. No, it's, it's that's what I'm saying. It's not your fault. It's the film's fault. Well, all my fault. It's not my fault. Either. <laughs> that's a few years later, obviously working at Lucasfilm for ILM Industrial Light and Magic, owned by George Lucas, who made Star Wars. George Lucas got divorced, and it financially crippled him. So he had to sell Lucasfilm Computer Graphics which at that point was renamed to Pixar Computer Graphics. Steve Jobs, actually of Apple fame, became the primary stakeholder. I don't know if you guys noticed, on this film, he's listed as like the executive producer. He didn't actually work on the film himself, but his money kind of yeah. held yeah. it up. Never yeah. knew that. That was an interesting fact. I, I did not know that. To talk about the names as well. Yeah, def- um, we'll get to that in a bit. But shortly after it released, Toy Story won the Special Achievement Academy Award for progression in technology and then disney bought pixar in 2006 and kind of rehired john lasseter and instead of working as the head of animation as he was before he kind of got promoted to studio head and was reporting directly to bob Iger, who was the ceo at the time so it's kind of funny that john lasseter who when he first joined disney he was really worried about how they were repeating themselves and getting monotonous when bob Iger, as the ceo bought pixar because bob Iger is very infamously quoted as saying that Disney have no obligation to make art. They have an obligation to make money. So his philosophy in the company was whatever sells the most is what they're going to pursue. And that Mm -hmm. went into parks, really like theme parks. And that's why the Disney theme parks picked up in the 90s. But then you look at today and they they continue that philosophy. Bob Iger is obviously not the CEO anymore. But with the acquisition of Marvel, Fox, and just buying up pretty much every major studio they can. It's quite interesting to see that kind of philosophy continue. I think going back to the, you mentioned there that they won the Academy Award in 95 for, what was it, the progression in animation? Yeah, the technical achievement. When you watch Toy Story, you don't think technical achievement. Obviously, you you admire the animation for the time, but you think, what an incredible story, What what an imaginative sort of concept idea and world that so many people have bought into and have bought into because what the, the franchise has lasted 24 years and I think it's amazing to see that they so sort of critically acclaimed in terms of their technology and their advancements in in animation but also captured the the love and interest of so many people across all different demographics yeah I think I think the fact that you don't necessarily notice it straight away is testament to just how good it is because it's not something that sticks out as being extraordinary by today's standards. And the fact that it holds up so well 25 years later is testament to like how good a step forward it actually was in terms of that medium. And you have to remember, it was the first feature-length, completely CGI animated mm. film. So that's why it won the technical achievement. Obviously, by today's standards, does it hold up as well as Toy Story 4? Maybe not. Yeah, but that's obvious, isn't it? Like, that's the thing. That's, the, that's why it's like... I think it it doesn't you don't notice it like you see some animations that are 25 30 years old and you notice that they're that old but it's not the case here in my opinion anyway it's not the case I think it I think it could have come out five years ago no one would bat an eyelid that was actually one of the questions I really wanted to ask you guys was do you think the animation holds up and if you think the film came out today or even five years ago do you think it would get 
kind of insulted for how it looks because from my point of view the design of the toys works really well because it kind of skips over the uncanny valley of it all you stop thinking of them as like that's a weird looking human you start thinking of it it's like oh well their skin is meant to look like plastic yeah it's strange isn't it i mean if you're talking about it in terms of the uncanny we could talk for ages about how oddly enough the these toys coming to life which is should by virtue come across as being really uncanny and unsettling it actually isn't and for me the only time that it is is when you see sid's toys which is strange because you see kind of like a deformed version of something that shouldn't be endowed with life anyway but it's only the deformed version of that that actually comes across as being unsettling in an uncanny way for me personally whereas like maybe it's because you could sort of grow up with them but like buzz and woody and all those toys you don't get that that same unrest that you get in my opinion no i completely agree and in fact uh the things that i was more put off by are the humans in the film mm. yeah like is that because they definitely stand out like i said where the toys are designed specifically to bridge that gap of uncanny valley and like it looks kind of realistic but not at the same time so it's fine because they're toys it's sister she's the creepiest the, exactly one, they, their eyes look way too big for yeah. their heads their skin yeah, looks yeah. really like waxy it just yeah you're so right because it because you you take for granted the fact that the toys are toys, like they're just toys. They're not humans, obviously. But then, yeah, no, I, I can totally see where you're coming from. And like, like I said, Sid and his sister, man, they're creepy as hell. I think the one thing you do notice from perhaps first Toy Story to the most recent number four is the facial expressions that Woody pulls. It's very sort of one face the whole time until he is hit on the head or he's in the back of the truck and he is hit by the toolbox and then he does these sort of caricatured face expressions that that's when I felt most uncomfortable and I looked at it thinking oh that that doesn't look quite right like why is he doing that but I think in the the latter films there is so much more sort of human face expressions where he's changing every single second whereas in the first one it was making a point of him making a facial expression that was different to what it is normally and I think that was the thing that was the most sort of unnerving I would say in terms of if you was actually keep it and <laughs> look into why is a toy actually making a human face with that kind of context of of the story of toy story and the story that went into pixar i wanted to talk about the fact that toy story kind of plays into that disney philosophy that they have an obligation to make money for their shareholders and nothing else they don't they're not obliged to make art they're not obliged to win awards they have to make money this film is on its surface level a promotion for toys you take your kids to see the film they then see the toy in the shop and they're like i want to buy that toy did you ever have any of the toys did you ever want any of the toys growing up yeah man yeah of course i had a buzz in the woody i'm sure they're <laughs> still in the loft at home james <laughs> james james <laughs> i was kidding i was really being heartfelt though. Was completely sidelined man. james i loved my woody yeah i had a so woody much. too i was given mm-hmm. yeah i was given a woody yeah <laughs> Who gave you Woody? <laughs> oh, God. Who, who gave you Woody, James? James, who gave you Woody? Did mommy give you Woody? <laughs> you, you enjoy Woody. You, just, you enjoy Woody. I just remember growing up and really wanting a slinky dog, uh, and I never got one. Fuming. Fuming. Why did you want him? I don't know why I wanted that one in particular, because on the surface level, he's not very... No, he's he's a real one. He is a real one, because when, yeah. when they're all like, we're exiling Woody. Slinky's the only one that wants to like hear him out because he's his, he's his best mate. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, like in terms of of being a kid and wanting a toy, 
he's probably not the first pick for quite a lot of people. You obviously were morally aligned with him and his morals are sound. But is he sound? Because this was the start of cancel culture. Did Toy Story mark the start of cancel culture? They cancelled Woody. Oh, because they cancelled Woody. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, you stumped us there. <laughs> yeah. I would just say, if anything, slinky, morally sound guy, dog. Arguably the most useful member of the little toy brigade. Wrong. The car. The car fucking yeah. saves their life at the end. In this movie, but in, in the rest of them, there are many times when Slinky bridges the gap between things and, and grabs things. He's the, the James Milner of the... Uh, he's the James Milner of the Toy Story crew. Utility player. You can stick him anywhere and he'll do a job. I think I, I had... <laughs> I can't say it. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I had the main cowboy character as a kid. His um, name is Tom Hanks. You need to grow up, young man. <laughs> Tom Hanks. You had a little Tom Hanks toy. Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, I had Woody. Um, I'm sure I had plenty of sort of memorabilia books and magazines. You can go through all sorts of Disney memorabilia. They they try and turn everything into something, don't they? I feel like I remember a water bottle, like a, a woody-shaped water bottle or like a Buzz Lightyear with him on the side or something. Yeah, so you put the woody in your mouth. Yeah, or sucking woody. <laughs> but speaking of merchandising... Speaking of sucking woody, let's see. The 90s were kind of the kickstart for a lot of mainstream video games as well. Um, so part mm. of my research, I was looking up how many video games do the Toy Story characters appear in. And there are over 18, which was a shocking wow. number for me because I thought there would just That's be... Toy Story 1, 2, 3, 4. Not even Yeah, that. that's a lot. Oh, they're in the um, Kingdom Hearts games. Aren't they, they are. That was on the top of my list. They're in Kingdom Hearts 3. Obviously, it came out in yeah. 2018. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think what other games I've played that they've come up in. Well, I wrote down a couple, and I, I wanted to see if you guys have ever heard of or played this. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. The first one is called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Right. This leads me on to something, because this is... I have it on my phone searched right now because this felt like some kind of weird lucid dream that i had as a kid that didn't exist and i had to confirm that it was a real thing by searching it and i remember that so vividly i remember this in wow. one scene because it was released in 2000 so this is sort of more targeted towards us this is when we would have been watching it as children and it's that mm-hmm. it's the cartoon animated version and i remember because he's uh fighting the the bad was is zorg zorg right? yeah and is he zorg? yeah and he has the I shooters zerg 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 zerg, zerg. i had zerg. this game yeah so i had this game as well i think i had it for ps1 and it used to be my favorite game and actually because that film buzz lightyear of star command was a director video sequel something that disney were quite fond of doing at the time I actually had a copy of that before I had at least a copy of, if not ever seen, Toy Story. So my first introduction to the Toy Story universe was that. And you're right, James. I, I remember thinking about this a couple of years ago and thinking, like, did I make that up? Because there's no way that Toy Story was like 2D, right? Yeah. That movie, we might have to add that to the list of this podcast because that is a corker of a film, if I remember correctly. Had a great uh, one thing I remember vividly as even as a child had a great color palette. To yeah. it. I remember there's there's a scene where he's he's on the roof or something, and I think Zerk is trying to like knock him off, and there's this like red hue, sort of like a, a 2049 Blade Runner hue to it, and it looks incredible. I remember thinking it's like this is some weird weird film that I'm watching. 
I just remember it being really colorful, really, really great and kind of scary because like I said, I watched this as like a young child. And if I remember correctly, I haven't seen this in years, but it's about the little green men being enslaved or something. We'll we'll add it to the list. Aaron, have you ever seen this or played the game? I feel like I definitely played the game, but I can't remember. My memory's really bad, you know, but <laughs> I, I know that I had some sort of Buzz Lightyear game around that time. It must have been there. Was the game? Couldn't you get like a downloadable version of the the short film or something? Because it was it's only like thirty minutes long, right? It's not a full feature length film. Not downloadable. I, I think it's like fifty minutes, but I definitely remember there being like clips from the film as like cutscenes. Oh, this is like a weird wave of, of memories coming about. <laughs> this is strange. <laughs> but yeah, well, um... I mean, this might be an even weirder wave because arguably the more popular video game that i definitely played and i had completely forgotten this existed but it's called disney's extreme skate no 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 i can't believe you guys have never heard of this it's a ps2 game that's built on the same engine as tony hawk skateboarder game <laughs> epic that's sick except the characters are woody simba and baby tarzan baby tarzan you only get three characters that's rubs What's it called? It's called Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure. And yeah, you can play as Tarzan, Buzz, uh, Simba. I'm pretty sure you could play as Woody. Like, maybe he was like an unlockable character. Oh, that no. looks incredible. Not... Yeah, Woody. <laughs> oh. you, you could play as like two characters from each. Pumba as well. Yeah, Pumba and then uh, like the elephant from Tarzan. No, the monkey, the ape. No, the elephant. Definitely the other thing. The, the case says differently. <laughs> he wasn't it as well. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at the picture. This is a blast from my past. I think this is the first video game I can remember playing like properly, which is why it's so weird for me now. But uh, yeah, I just remember also they ran a competition where they chose two random kids in America to be in the game and you could play as them. And I remember distinctly hating that fact because why would I want to play as two random kids? when I can play as Woody. Yeah, nice. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I had no idea that that game existed, but that looks like an absolute banger. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd, we'd all rather play with Woody than two random kids, so... I'm not touching that. Well, I kind of want to go back to the story of John Lasseter and, and Pixar for a minute and talk about the kind of dark side that happened to him. I don't know what it is with powerful men in Hollywood, but there seems to be a recurring theme where they can't keep their hands to themselves. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they can't keep their Woody in its box. In 2017 to early 2018, John Lasseter took a leave of absence due to sexual misconduct. What he later described as missteps, which I find interesting. Now, allegedly, he had been grabbing, kissing, and making comments on a physical attributes of, of female colleagues. In later 2018, he actually left the company. And then in 2019, he was hired to Skydance Studios, which is an animation studio owned by Paramount. Their debut film, Luck, is slated to release in February 2022. What do you think of that? I think that's going back to the case of it's Disney making money rather than quality content. Studio is more concerned with bringing in a well-established director, producer, member of the team, whatever you want to call it, bring in some expertise that he has from his Disney Pixar time because they know that's going to make money and they, they know that he knows the, the tricks and the tips 
rather than caring about any morality to it or any disgusting you know behavior that shouldn't be condoned or, or that should be the end of the man's career if it's if it's trialed and proven and if he's admitted it if it's found in court you know it's, he shouldn't be hired again especially for a, a major film that's up and coming as well yeah well historic historically disney and morality don't exactly they, they don't exactly marry up together do they so i suppose this is, is true. somewhat true to form for them <laughs> But this is this is this is Disney though. This is Paramount. So yeah. So Disney actually they they told him to take a leave of absence and then he didn't return. So whether that means he was fired or if he quit or whatever. Of course. But only a year later he was hired to Skydance. So he is a producer on Luck, their debut film, which is slated for release in 2022. It's directed by Peggy Holmes, who is a director who has been working in the industry for quite a long time. Her directorial debut was in 2008 on The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, which was a direct-to-DVD sequel. She also had directed Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, Secret of the Wings, Pirate Ferry, and a Tinkerbell film. So it looks like Skydance has kind of gone around and collected a bunch of Disney alum and are kind of just throwing them into a pot together to see what comes out. Yeah, yeah. if it works, it works. But you don't want to be picking up people with that sort of allegation hanging over. Was it just an allegation or was he ever actually like prosecuted for something? It was only alleged. Right. Obviously, he did leave and he did describe his actions as missteps. And actually, when he joined Skydance, he, he issued a statement to the public I've spent the last year away from the industry in a deep reflection, learning how my actions unintentionally made colleagues uncomfortable, which I deeply regret and apologize for. It has been humbling, but I believe it will make me a better leader. So it was like he was in the room. I know, yeah. I actually blow him in. But I find that really interesting that he says he's taken time away to reflect. He thinks it's going to make him a better leader. Mm -hmm. Leader's weird, isn't it? Leader. Yeah. That's a weird way of ending the statement, for sure. Yeah. It's got like power trip written all over it. It seems like it's got a bit of a complex. But then if you're Mr. Toy Story, you probably would get a bit of a complex, wouldn't you? But wonder if there's sort of a, a preempting knowing that he was making this move, jumping the boat, and he hadn't known, would he have taken that time away? Was this a good sort of opportunity to step down from Pixar to have this time away and ultimately jump ship to another company? So cleaning a slate in the, the PR media world that everyone's sort of forgotten your name over the past eight months and then slide back in the back door of another company. I, I would totally agree. I just don't know if that is the case with John Lasseter, who, if he can just disappear for a year, one year, and then come back. Like, this man wrote and directed Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Cars, Cars 2, maybe not his proudest moment. Debatable. Banger. Like, he, he's been working on so many of the biggest films in Pixar's kind of legacy. He's even got producer credits on Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, even like Howl's Moving Castle, all these... Miyazaki films because he was the executive producer for the US version. Pretty much any Pixar film you can think of, he had a finger in the pot in, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Big name. You know, he, you do think that if he wanted to get work, he would be able to get work regardless of, of the allegations hanging over his head because he's got that pedigree behind him and he's, he's earned that. So then the discussion comes around you know do we accept the allegations over his head and when i say we i mean the people hiring him of course the employers <laughs> i don't have to accept anything it's not my decision to make <laughs> and then you think right well does morality come into it for them because like james said there's this guy that has this huge pedigree about him they know that it's a tried and tested formula with him he knows what works do they really care 
do they care if it's going to make them money? I guess not. Should they care is a, is a different question. Absolutely. Should they care is the different question. Like that's that's the that's the crux of it, isn't it? I suppose it's like do they care? Probably not. Should they? Yes, and that's what the issue is. Should there be a disclaimer on the film? No. <laughs> uh, what, did you say should there or is there going to be? Nonce worked on this film. Disclaimer. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So before every like Polanski film, they just have like a slate that comes up oh, before the film. God, so. they'd have a field day, wouldn't they? Do you know that's actually a thing now? It's called the Weinstein effect, where every big name in Hollywood is actually a terrible person. What in what like actually? Or... Well, it's like a social theory that like oh. So the Weinstein effect is you hear a name like in the news, and it's like Kevin Spacey sexual abuser, and you're like, ah, oh, I liked him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to talk about Skydance Animation a bit more. Obviously, their first film is set to debut in 2022. They've already got four films lined up, ready to go, or, or at least being worked on at the moment. And they've just been, like I said, headhunting great animators and great animated directors. So they've they've kind of taken from DreamWorks, Alessandro Coloni, who directed Kung Fu Panda 3, Vicky Jensen, who directed Shrek, which is obviously quite a big name, and then. Nathan Greno, who directed Tangled, they obviously are being picked up and they're trying to pick up as many big names as they can to kind of drive the marketing of their films because obviously they don't have the power of a name that is Disney or DreamWorks. Today, if you say that, like a film by Disney, anyone's going to see it. A film by DreamWorks, most likely people are going to go see it. Mm -hmm. Emma Thompson, the actress, God bless her, everyone's favourite English actress was hired to work on luck but she actually quit after she heard that john lassiter had been hired as a producer wow that's a brilliant move you, i feel like you don't hear enough of that but it, this is another thing like this is another thing with the power of social media and everything is that that influence will will happen like people will just drop out like i can't i can't remember the precise example but there was something that happened recently with a record label where like the owner of the label was basically he was facing a huge amount of allegations and every artist on that label just left and it's like they, they just lost their roster like pretty much their entire roster and it's like okay well now you're done and that 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 would happen as well with films i think if you lose like big talent it, it's it's good either if you're looking at it through a cynical lens like it's great pr for that actress she was willing to turn down a paycheck in in favor of her morals that's going to look great on her. Like that's going to do her no end of favors. Well, that's that's Emma Thompson, who obviously Course, plays yeah. Nanny McPhee, and she was in Men in Black three, and she was in Beauty and the Beast. She's in Harry Potter. Like she yeah. obviously doesn't need the work. No, no, exactly, and that, and that's why that's why that's the cynical way to look at it. If you're looking at it like purely in terms of publicity and PR, you know that's that's a cynical way. She's obviously just got a strong set of morals that she's done for her. What is the right thing? It's brilliant. But it is interesting to know that, like, I have definitely heard that of, of John Lasseter's allegations in the past. And I had heard that he'd been hired to this new studio in the past. But today is the first that I've heard of Emma Thompson resigning when it happened in 2019. I don't want to get too political, but it is kind of interesting to see what we give our attention to the most. I don't give my attention to much. <laughs> so... I think I'm done speaking about sexual harassment now. So we're going to play a game called Buzz or Woody. Who is the horniest toy? I'm going to throw it over to Aaron first. Yeah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> let me let me start off by saying that I definitely think the horniest toy is Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm willing to hear for or against for other people. Well, so do I have to pick Buzz or Woody? Is it like that 50-50 or can I 
stake a claim for others. If if it's between the two of them, then it's obviously Woody for Bo Peep. Like he plays it a bit coy, but you know there's there's not just a snake in his boot. Let's put it that way. There's a, yeah, a snake yeah, somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's not only good at rounding up the sheep, she can probably tame a snake Ooh. too. So I think Woody, out of Woody and Buzz. But I would say, yeah. But, but out of everyone? Oh, potato head. Horn dog. No, my favorite bit is just when they're waiting to see the presence come through the front door at the start. And he's just standing there going, Mrs. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's right. This is what he wants. It's what he wants. I'm just trying to think if any of the other ones are, but they're not, are they? It's really just him. But I, I, I have a lot of time for Mr. Potato Head because he's that he that stereotypical Italian American accent. He's, and they just like double down on it. You have to remind yourself that he's a potato. And yeah, obviously that's the late great Don Rickles who. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And just a bit of trivia again. I mean, I, I think this is pretty well-known trivia by this point, but he died during the making of Toy Story 4. Right, yeah, of course he did. So they had to yeah. stitch previous lines together to get him. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's crazy. Brilliant. For sure. Brilliant. What about you, James? Would you Mr. Potato Head for the horniest? I mean, are we including just Toy Story 1 or are we going across the whole franchise? Because I've got a couple of contenders. Yeah, they, that changes things. If we go across the franchise, it changes, doesn't it? Let's, let's be fair. Oh, well, you know, I'd love to hear all of them. Open up the floor, James. Go on. Do it. I mean, in their own way, Stinky Pete. Oh, he's got mate. Oh, he's a perv. He's got babes, you know. He's randy. He's he's randy. a he's a proper randy bastard. Yeah, yeah. So we can all agree on Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete. Yeah, he's he's stanky. I don't like it. Also, you know, it gives me horny vibes. <laughs> Wheezy. Oh yeah. Wheezy the penguin that's been left on the shelf. Really, he gives me old gentleman vibes. He's he's cute. I'd like. I'd go on a date with Wheezy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Ex- see, we'd all go on a date with Wheezy. And that's what, his game. What are you doing? Huh? That's his game. What yeah, you yeah, yeah. He, he, he starts all with, oh, I got, I got no voice. You got, um, I've lost my voice box. Lexi, yeah. you know, he's singing some fucking jazz number at right. the end of the show. Sinatra, you know, yeah. that is my game as well. To be fair, <laughs> I just pretend I'm losing my voice the whole time, and then yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And then you whip out some. Yeah, I do it all the time. I got a tickly throat, and then come back and we're singing Dragon Force through the fire and the flames, like just <laughs> out, you know. So, so I think from the whole franchise, it's got to be Stinky Pete. He, he gives me the uh, he gives me those creepy, horny vibes. But I think from the first film, it's it's got to be Pete. She uh, she makes a line after Woody saves her, and it's promiscuous. You know, it's, it makes him blush. It's, mm-hmm. it's something you hear after the watershed, not 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 on Toy right. Story One, but not yeah, not Christmas Eve on BBC One. You know, pre watershed, yeah. you don't expect that. We got to have the jokes for the parents. Another one spending the money. Yeah, you do, but it's pretty horny considering they're toys yeah. as well. Like now that we're talking about it like this, do I ever want to watch it again? Probably, but food for four. <laughs> I've got a couple more questions for you, lads. Yeah. The next one on my list: Andy's mum, Milf or Murph? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. Now. I don't mind kicking off by saying that in, in number one, she's a In number two, she's a No, no, no. It's in like, what's a what's three, stop, 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 stop. What's a Murph? What's a Murph? What's a Murph? Murph is a mum I would run from. That's mean. I don't think... I don't... She's definitely not a Murph. I wouldn't run away from her. All right. Fuck, marry, kill. Andy's mum in Toy Story 1. 
Andy's mum in Toy Story 2 or Andy's mum in Toy Story 3. That's what I'm saying. The glow up is ridiculous. Oh, I didn't realise how much he changed. Yeah. Can I just can I just opt out and just go for the Mrs. Incredible, please? Elastica. Yes. I'll, uh, you know what? <laughs> it's getting hot. I'm sipping. I, sim- I can't watch The Incredibles. I can't do it because I just spend the whole film like <laughs> <laughs> drooling into your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't watch the film. I still haven't seen Incredibles 2. Oh, that one is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't do it. I You're can't. doing the right thing. <laughs> no, because I'll start acting out. I'll start acting out. I can't. <laughs> Wait, have you not seen it? No, I actually haven't seen it. I actually haven't seen it. No, oh. no. not because it, I think it'll be too horny, just because, just because I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Is, is it horny though? So the film, obviously, Toy Story, is, starts with Andy's sixth birthday. Now, I don't know if you guys remember what presents his friends bring him, but luckily for you, I wrote them down. So I'm going to pose you the question of which is the worst present to receive for your sixth birthday. The pile is quite big, and obviously, there's a lot more than are on the list. But I just want to pose the question to you guys. What is the worst present to receive on your sixth birthday? Mm-hmm. So the first present that he opens is a lunchbox. Yes, yeah, so, that sucks ass. But you got to eat. You do got to eat. It's a practical present. So, <laughs> I like those as well. I prefer practical presents to very superficial ones. I prefer practical So, But when you're six. Don't remember being six. All right. Someone got a lunchbox for their birthday. Still had to eat. Still had to eat. <laughs> Still right. had to eat. Wait, hang on. Sorry, sorry. Did anyone else used to get like? Did anyone else used to worry that they were going to get bullied for their lunchbox at school? I didn't have a lunchbox. I just had Cliff Tupperware. Oh. Yeah, no, I think I, I, like I used to get bullied yeah. for what was in it. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, no, I I, yeah, I got told off. I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. My mum put like a penguin chocolate bar in my lunchbox one time because she she's like being so sweet. She's like, oh, it's a nice treat. I got told off by the dinner lady because you're not supposed to have chocolate. And I came out after school, told my mum in the playground, I was like, oh, I got told off today, I wasn't allowed to eat this. And she looked so upset. She looked so heartbroken. She's like, I was just trying to do something nice. And I was like, I know that, mum. I know that. And I'm... Ah, oh, that's awful. And I, I felt, I still, I still feel it here. I was like, mum. Yeah. You, you absolute saint. Absolute sweetheart. Absolute saint. So. You know what? For Christmas this year, you should get her a penguin bar. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. I got a... Uh... I remember distinctly in year four, I used to, my packed lunch, mum would get a big bag of Doritos and then sort of portion them out throughout the week. And then on the final day, there was no point portioning it out because there was one portion left in the bag. So then you just eat it from the bag. So I was obviously eating some, remember the flavours, the tangy cheese Doritos from the from the big bag. I remember a teacher came in, I was just like, it's quite a lot of Doritos, it's a big bag for you, isn't it? I was like, bearing in mind I was a fat year four, <laughs> I was a fat eight year old, I was, I was self-conscious. There yeah, was the nail in the coffin that was yeah before teacher coming in uh, you, you, you little... she's getting fat shamed by a dinner lady <laughs> it's when you decided to turn your little, wife around yeah. little fatty cunt you don't need any wow. more of those do you <laughs> oh, yellow card so yeah you got fat shamed by a dinner lady did yeah that's, that's fat shamed by the lady that's just you that's the uk mate that, or was it a dinner lady or a teacher uh you know the learning support yeah. mid between part-time not quite lady no, yeah that's yeah. what my mum is you Dick. Teaching assistant, a TA. My mum's a TA. My mum's a TA. <laughs> so is my mum. <laughs> Mate, can you stop dissing my mother? Because I will not. I will not do this. She's a saint that gives me penguin bars, even when I'm when it's contraband. Okay. Yeah. So 
that's that's warning number one. You get four or five of them. No more. <laughs> no more yellow cards. No more. No more. Right. Yeah. So lunchboxes. I, yeah. I I had an action man lunchbox when I was proper young, and I think I used to. I think someone said something about it, and I didn't want it anymore. Action man. You know, can't get them anymore today, can you? Can't do anything these days. No action man. Oh well, the, nowadays if you if you say you're white and English, they'll throw you away in jail. What's the bit? What's the bit? I can't remember what it is. Stuart Lee. Stuart, Stuart Lee, Stuart Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a funny bit, man. These it's days, so you good. say you're English, yeah, yeah, they'll arrest you and throw you in jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say really? Are you saying these days? Yeah, these days. These days. That's such a good bit. Anyway, so lunchbox number two present he receives is mm-hmm. bed sheets yeah and now mr potato head even responds to that by saying who invited that kid mm. that's a Rude. terrible present yeah. for a six-year-old boy it's a present mm. potato head relax man i'd rather a gift card you know well no because not when you're a kid cause you don't know what you want you're stupid no. at that age i was yeah. dumb i didn't know what i wanted when i was six that's, but... a, that's not a present for andy that's a present for andy's milf mother Got to sleep. Yeah. And also, it technically is story building because he got the Buzz Lightyear sheets. He would have got a Buzz Lightyear lunchbox, you know, when his room changes all from Woody to... I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's what I mean. When, you, when you've had Woody on your sheets for years, to, you need to get some new Particularly sheets. with now. that milf running around. Yeah. <laughs> Woody on your yeah. sheets. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They do so, sheets all the time. Boy. That's you it, know, yeah. That is... Does yeah, Potato Head... No. <laughs> all right moving on the next present he receives is a board game of battleships sick yeah i stand that's a a great present yeah and it's it gets use in the film as well because someone's playing it against someone else isn't they piggy boy in it um yeah yeah that's it ham ham and and is it potato head rex surely is it rex it might be right i don't know yeah, because he says, "Oh, you, you hit," because it hits him, and then he says, "You're, you're looking somehow, you're seeing somehow." Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Have you seen what is it in Harold and Kumar where the two British girls in the toilets play battleships? Have you seen that? <laughs> no, it's oh, so God, funny. It's so funny. I've seen Harold and Kumar try to get to White Castle? That's ridiculous. No, I think it's in that. I think it's in that film. The, it's like quite near the start. It's so funny, man. I love that film. Yeah, it's just these two British girls with like terribly over exaggerated like posh accents and they both just go into the toilets and have like diarrhea and have like a sort of <laughs> call and response back and forth with their diarrhea call it you damn you sank my battle shit and that you know that was funny love that yeah yeah it's great any more presents yeah presents uh that was it that's the list and then the and only other thing he gets is the buzz lightyear doll from his mother no that's that's a cop out so what's yeah. the worst or what's the best so what's the worst present to receive from your friend as a six-year-old? Battleship, lunchbox, or bedsheets? Lunchbox. Yeah, probably the, probably the lunchbox. Uh, you really would prefer bedsheets to a lunchbox as a six-year-old? Oh, I don't know, mate. I think I'd rather have a cool lunchbox. Bedsheets are exciting. Oh, this is, oh, that's a sign you're getting old, dude. I had Spider-Man bedsheets when I was younger. They were I got new bedsheets recently. Yeah. My little, my little brother, his bed sheets are my bed sheets from when I was his age. Also, what, like one, one or two sets are. One was like it's got like football people all over it. 
bloody epic. And I, I saw it on his bed. I had hand-me-downs from my sister as well. I would still prefer a lunchbox. Yeah. Well, I, I think you cycle through lunchbox quicker. Lunchboxes quicker. You get a bit more wear and tear on them. You can't, you know, so... <laughs> Not in my bed, mate. You get a couple of wears and tears in there, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's, yeah. that's fucking disgusting. That is disgusting. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want to hear that smut. And certainly not in Andy's bed. He's six years old. What do you oh, think he's no, doing? No, uh, you I'm about me. Right. Well, you're in this guy. <laughs> you're in a six-year-old's bed. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Very <laughs> All right. Did any line stand out as particularly good to you guys? Absolutely. Or any line deliveries? Because I love the line, and I even love the delivery more of. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. You are a toy! Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, that's a good line. That's a good line. I like that. That's a good line. There's, there's loads. For me, it's more it's more of a sound than a line. I never knew it was in there. What is it? Buzz originally falls out the window, or is, some would say, pushed by Woody out the window. Controversial. There's a, there's a Willem scream. Wilhelm. <laughs> Did you notice that? A Wilhelm screen. Wilhelm screen. Did you hear that? I did not the first time I listened to it when I was a, a kid. Snapper. Whipper snapper. And didn't know what screaming was. Yeah. We've all watched Star Wars. We've all watched over 400 films. There is a couple of. Obviously, John Lasseter kind of cut his teeth in animation at Disney and then moved to ILM. There are loads of references to Star Wars in this film. Mm. Yeah. The one that I picked out the most, and again, this is trivia that is really popular and it's it's been said countless times and we definitely don't need to repeat it, but when Buzz is put on the bed as he gets introduced to Woody, it's the same breathing as Darth Vader except pitched up to sound less scary. Ah, very cool. Ah, interesting. Very nice. And then obviously another reference that I really like as a Kubrick fanboy is that mm-hmm. the carpets in Sid's house... I saw that! I was going to say that! I was going to say that! <laughs> but I didn't want to sound mental! No, it's, it's, the same. it's the same. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it is, right? Yeah. The carpet in Sid's house is the same as the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. I hadn't noticed that. That's I, that's. I totally spotted that, and I was like, "It's identical," but I don't want to say it because I'm going to sound dumb. No, that see, that's like a super popular bit of trivia, and I thought that's brilliant. Ah. I didn't even think it was worth including on my list. Ah, amazing. Can I? Can I just? I'd like to talk a little bit about the soundtrack because I think it's amazing i would love to and i would i would like to just start off by saying that something that really confused me about this film is that in the opening credits it says music by randy newman yeah fades away fades Mm -hmm. in songs written by randy newman yeah of course yeah so it's a different thing well no because there's 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 songs in it isn't there so that you've got a friend in me and then there's the bit where he's looking up at the window just after he realizes he's he's a toy and he tries to fly and there's that song is that so not music? Well, no, because because there's the musical score, isn't there? And I then suppose. there's and then there's the separate soundtrack songs, which you'd see on like an album and that, which I'm pretty sure there probably was an album. So mm-hmm. I th- I think that's what it means. I think because I I agree there's one soundtrack overall, but I think they're differentiating between the fact that not only did he write these songs, which probably went on to like chart and sell in some case like you've, you've got, got a friend of me definitely did yeah. it, like it would have charted so I, i'm sure they're distinguishing between those songs and then the overall score for the film that makes sense which are which are both excellent i think i think the music's so it's it a huge part of why the film's so iconic if you ask me 
everyone knows that song everyone knows you got a friend in me but even parts of the soundtrack i i really recognized little cues and stings from like monsters inc and the incredibles yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's strange because you you do see that sort of style in pixar films these little cues in that way where you know that it's a pixar film and i feel like a lot of those were born in in toy story it's you know films which are quintessentially pixar films the likes of monsters inc is the one that comes to mind alongside toy story for me the monsters inc soundtrack is maybe one of the best film soundtracks i think oh it's amazing so and that one was actually also written by randy newman was it yeah and he also did Fantastic. Uh, Cars as well. So he, he obviously yeah. is really quite Brilliant. close with John Lasseter. So it's, it's like Tim Burton and what's his face? The guy that did Elfman. the... Danny. Yeah, Danny Elfman. Exactly that. I, I didn't know that Randy Newman did the music for those ones too. It's very yeah. cool. Which, again, that's what I mean. Like, I just heard certain chords and patterns. I'm not... I don't know music and jargon. No, it's, it's motifs, isn't it? It's, it's, Mot- it? That's the bloody word, motifs. I heard yeah. motifs. <laughs> and then uh, he he went on in 2019 he did toy story 4 yeah obviously to say goodbye to the franchise but then he immediately went to go work on marriage story well uh, randy yeah, of course he did yeah Damn, yeah that was great too uh yeah fair play randy newman my, my favorite randy newman thing though is that episode of family guy in season two you know the one with the what is it it's the apocalypse or something the mm-hmm. and he's yeah i love that that's so funny I'm trying That's to the thing, like that was my first this is this really goes to show a lot about uh, my childhood, but my first exposure to who Randy Newman was as a man was that family guy sketch. Oh mate, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then obviously you know the songs, but you don't know the name attached to the songs. Yeah. So when you see Randy Newman in Family Guy for me when I was probably realistically a kid as well, like that's how you know the name and the face. And as you grow up you think, oh that's that's the guy. So you associate the two, don't you? Left foot, right foot, left the, foot. Right yeah. foot. <laughs> Fat man with his kids and dog. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she takes a bite. Three times. Three times. <laughs> Four times. Stops. Um, it's the leather working. <laughs> so I remember what he said. Take the long dumb. hard look at Randy. This is dumb. Oh, that's a great bit. Don't even try I think that. that's one of my favorite episodes of Family Guy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think there's one section that I really wanted to touch on, and it's please Sid. Yeah, man. Problem child. Sid's little creep. Sid is. He's scary. Fuck me. They, he's. There were so many parts. Psychopath. Absolute psychopath. Terrifying. He's got a vice in his room. Parenting. Where are the parents? What are they doing? Well, that's it. I definitely knew some DT kids who had clamps and vices in their room. Mate, could never be me. They do a really good job of, of kind of encapsulating the spirit of a childhood bully as a villain to these toys as well. Because you get the feeling yeah. that if a- Andy and Sid met on the street, you know, it's going down. There's three hits. Sid hit Andy. Andy hitting the floor, the ambulance hitting 90. Right, yeah. The, the kind of twist that he kind of makes these Frankenstein toys, and then towards the end, the toys kind of get their revenge. Like, I love that whole setup, oh, and I love the way it works. And obviously, that there's that Easter egg that he comes yeah. back in Toy Story 3 as a rubbish man. Yeah. And then there's that kind of widely known theory that he he got that job specifically because he knew toys were alive, so he would go through bins try and find toys who were 
thrown out and then rescue them. That's good. I like. I mean, that. it's only a theory. I hadn't. I know. I, I hadn't heard that before, but I like I that. Know. That's pretty cool. No, I think going back to that bit where all the toys sort of revolt. That oh man, that's so good. I'd I'd forgotten about that. And and watching watching it back is definitely Terrifying. my favorite bit of the film. Man, that's so, oh, it's so good. I love that. Amazing. And I think that image of the the baby, the spider baby. <sighs> Very, oh, it's fucking terrifying. But do you know what? He, as a kid, that spider baby wasn't even the one that I was most scared of. I, I was going to ask you guys this: which one was it that scared you the most? Yeah. For me, it was it was uh, the giant muscle body with the fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like it at all. I agree. Uh, for me, it was the uh, the doll coming out of the sandbox. Oof. Ooh, yeah, it's a bit creepy as well. Oh, that, that whole scene, that is terrifying. Like, watching that back now, ooh, ooh. Oh, as, a, as a kid, I'd been it's like, excellent. Yeah. I also wasn't a huge fan of the pterodactyl head on the doll. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. that one too. But also, also the, the guy on the skateboard was kind of creepy. I think we can all say that the hooker was pretty, she's pretty hot. <laughs> Do those legs go all the way? You know. Any closing thoughts on Toy Story? And also, what are your rating out of five? Toy Story. Um, can we do half stars? Yes. Yeah. Four point five out of five for me. Wow. Strong. I love this film. I love this film. I and 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 the thing is, I I would sit there after the film and I would think, where you know, when you mark a film, when you're giving it a rating, you think, where does it lose marks? I can't think really where Toy Story loses marks. So. Five being the perfect film, this is as strong a 4.5 as you can get for me because I can't really pin down where it loses marks. It's just for me personally now, at my age and you know what what I enjoy right now. This this ain't the perfect film for me at the moment, but it's it's bloody close. 4.5. So I was going to ask what what loses at the 0.5, or is it just because you're not the target audience? Well, yeah, like yeah, it's it's literally just a, a case of like it's not really for me anymore. I don't think, but that's just because I'm not necessarily target audience. I still love it. I still think it's an amazing film. But in terms of like my enjoyment, I, I'm not like rushing to watch it again because it's just not that for me anymore. But I I love it. It's just, yeah, as close to a perfect film as you can get. Really interesting. I'm gonna pull in a hot take here. For me, it's uh, out of five, a strong 3.5. So the reason I give it that score is I don't think there is enough story development and depth as there is with two and three. Two is my all-time favorite. I would say that is nearer a 4.5 than any of the other films. I would say number three is pushing a four, and then the fourth one probably back down to a 3.5 it was a nice close to the story, but nothing, nothing too special. But I just feel looking back, I don't know. And I, again, I don't know if it's because of the the time that they were released. Maybe the second one was nearer when I would have been watching the film, like actively remembering it. But I just feel there is so much more nostalgia attached to the second one and the depth. I was Toy Barn, the repainting Woody, the Cheeto dust on Al's fingers. Like there's so much that like floods back to me and. Same with the third one. The third one I thought was was terrifying. It was emotional with the what was it the strawberry love bear. Oh there. man, lots of. I cried so much. I cried so much in that film. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Mate. 
I feel like if I watched it now, I would probably do the same. I think oh, I would still be upset. 100%, 100%. I think that goes to show why the fourth one is pretty weak in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. I still I still enjoyed it a lot. I will say that I still really really enjoyed the fourth one. I think it's a great film, but I mean the the first three are just so outstanding, each in their own right. I think um, not to hijack your point here, James, but I I would agree the the other two films were incredibly strong as well. I have this I have this like affinity for films that kick off something special. So like my favorite Harry Potter film per- personally is the Philosopher's Stone. Just because, like, and and my favorite Lord of the Rings film as well as Fellowship. I love the magic of like where this all started, like this huge thing which you know is epic, and it turned into something much bigger than that first film. I love when it's just when it gets off on that first foot. I think there's something so magic about that. I think that's the same case with Toy Story for me. And you know, in, in Toy Story two, it has one of my favorite set pieces in any animated film in history, and that is the airport. Oh, yep, yep. Magic. Yeah, magic, magic. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With all, the, all of the luggage yeah, 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 and yeah. chasing after the plane. Yeah. I just yeah. I love everything about that. Beautiful. Beautiful. But uh, that's interesting. I think I'm going to go with the middle ground and say that it was a solid four mm-hmm. out of yeah. five. Um, just for the, the reasons that you guys have already said. I can't help but feel a little bit biased with the other films. Obviously looking at this retroactively, but uh, retrospectively. Retrospectively. Mm-hmm retrospectively obviously looking at this one retrospectively i just can't shake that feeling but you know it is just an all-round film there's nothing that i can criticize it on except from the fact that like i said with aaron maybe i'm not the target audience so therefore it's not written for my enjoyment the thing is while while we're on the topic of of toy stories and ratings like that i probably for the same reason i'd have to watch them again because it's been a while but i would probably give two and three the same rating as i gave this one because it's like they're on they're at least on par if not you know if not better i think yeah. i think as a trilogy if we if we talked about the first three films i think they're just absolutely incredible they're, they're brilliant well maybe we'll we'll come back to toy story two and three okay dad okay dad hiccuping okay okay i'm gonna dad. say it again without hiccuping maybe Fucking we'll come back to toy story maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll come back to Toy Story two and three. Oh, like, Tango Bravo heard. <laughs> do you do that when you're playing games? Because that is perfect. <laughs> Tango Bravo, yes, I do. Over. <laughs> All right. Uh, what should we do for an ending? Should we just music um, now? Or how does this end? Do we say thank know, you? Do we say goodbye? Yeah. Is anyone listening? Well, no. Hello. I mean, no one's going to be listening. I'm listening. Do you mean in terms of an audience? Yeah. Well, no one's gonna be, yeah, no one's gonna be listening other than us. Like, no one's sitting through the whole thing. <laughs> no one's sitting through all of that. Oh well, right? I had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, I'm not doing this for anyone else. I had great I had fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool. I just farted. Bye. That will be the ending. <laughs> what? Me guffing? You just guffing? <laughs> <laughs>